Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to another edition of Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Callender. Early morning start today, and it's about 7 a.m. on the East, just after 7 a.m. on the East Coast, and you're probably wondering, Dwayne, why the hell are you up this early? So, long story short, it is the Northwest Derby, and of course, you're wondering, most of you are wondering, what the hell are you talking about? So, I will go into it. So, basically, we got a matchup between... Manchester United and Liverpool, two of the uh, most uh, well-known teams in English football, uh, not known as Arsenal, which I'll get to later. It, yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, in terms of uh, uh, United and uh, Liverpool, they're the most successful teams, also not named Arsenal in English football. Long story the rivalry between the two teams. Uh, I mean, basically, in terms of uh, matchups, uh, this is pretty much on par with the most famous of them all in terms of English football. Uh, I mean, basically, a derby is uh, just a rivalry match, but uh, this is one of the more particular ones because usually a derby match involves teams in the same exact city, whereas... On uh, in England, you got Liverpool and Merseyside, England, and you got Manchester United in Manchester. So they're not they have their own local rivals, but yet this rivalry is the one that uh, means uh, the most to them uh, on both sides. So uh, kind of going into breaking down where the teams are. United is in uh, second. Uh, actually, I think they they may be tied, but. Uh, uh, that, no, actually, no. They're in second place uh, behind Manchester City, who is their local rival. And Liverpool is in about uh, sixth place on the table behind Arsenal. Uh, basically, what we've got here, though, uh, is a matchup where uh, Liverpool's gotten off to a slow start this season. They only have uh, three wins out of the first seven contests. They have a bunch of draws. And United has six wins and a draw. In the first seven uh, matchups, so I mean, uh, from those of you who 
familiar with football, a win is three points uh, on the table. So, you know, it's a big deal to actually get the full three points. And Liverpool's playing at home today. So, uh, you know, this is a, a pretty much a critical matchup. Even though it's really early in the season, uh, out of 38 matchups uh, throughout the year for English football, you want to win those big games at home, especially early, just uh, so you can uh, pad, uh, pad the points total. But, uh, you know, in terms of the actual uh, league table itself, uh, the most dominant team so far has been Manchester City. So uh, United, I would think, would want to uh, come out and, you know, take control of the contest and uh, get the three points. Because, you know, uh, by and large, Liverpool is one of the worst, if not the worst, defensive team in the entire Premier League. So for Liverpool, I mean, basically, uh, you know, they concede a ton of goals. Uh, I believe the number is... uh, Double digits already. Actually, I'm pretty sure it's well over double digits uh, in seven games, which is not good, especially if you're your top side. You're not supposed to be conceding that many goals uh, at a at a ridiculous clip. Uh, United has been pretty uh, pretty much keeping clean sheets the entire way through. It's only conceded two goals. You know, the thing that uh, people have been uh, critical of, and this is a byproduct of United's manager, Jose Mourinho, a.k.a. the special one, because he calls himself that, and he actually believes it. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't get me wrong, he's a very good tactician, but the knock on Mourinho that many pundits uh, more knowledgeable about the game than I am, and I've just noticed about it, seems to, uh, especially in big matchups, He's so unwilling to commit his forces to go for a win that he would rather just uh, uh, just park the bus, uh, which is the essential term for you got your 11 players and you're just playing behind the ball uh, the entire way through and you're forcing the other team to come to you to try to break you down, get you out of position, and score a goal. The issue with that is if you correctly do that in soccer you can hold up an entire game and make it a nil-nil draw which for those of you who don't like soccer and are probably bored to tears with my explanation at the moment this could be very well end up being a matchup you absolutely hate watching and why you abstain from soccer on my end i get what would happen if Mourinho decides to uh play completely defensive style clog up the midfield don't let Liverpool get any possession of the ball. It'd be frustrating, but I would get it because uh, you would get a point on the road, which is what you would like to do. But as a purist of watching good soccer, Mourinho style leaves a lot to be desired. And considering the history of Manchester United and their football club of being a very offensive-minded squad, the fan base would also get pretty ticked off uh, I mean, even if they got a win out of it, they would get ticked off with Mourinho parking the bus and just letting Liverpool have the possession, tying them up, and then trying to counter the entire game. So, you know, if they don't open it up a bit more, which they have done uh, in 
basically to start the year with Romelu Lukaku coming over from Everton, uh, you know, they've been scoring goals. I mean, they, they've scored over uh, 20 goals to start this year, which, to be honest, I, I'm shocked by. I, I would have never imagined. I, I actually had this United team more on pace for maybe a goal, goal and a half. I mean, right now they're uh, scoring at a clip of three goals a game. So, uh, definitely not what you were expecting out of United, but I, w- I would not be surprised if Mourinho just decided they had enough points today and just uh, parked the bus. Uh, so, other matchups uh, that are on tap for today in the Premier League, though, uh, you've got uh, a couple uh, of because uh, the uh, United uh, uh, Liverpool is up and about. Uh, Ooh, yeah, I don't really have much time to uh, chat, uh, but uh, it, it's up in about uh, 15 minutes or so uh, coming up. And then uh, you get at the 10 o'clock games, you got uh, Tottenham Spurs against Bournemouth. Uh, Tottenham should win that one. Bournemouth uh, play an open style. Even if they close things up, Tottenham should take control of that one. Swansea versus Huddersfield. Eh, I mean, that's a toss-up either way. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to... See you go either way. Man City against Stoke. Uh, you know, City's just been the most dominant team of the year. I thought Chelsea would be better and uh, put themselves in the position to uh, defend their title, but it looks like City's running away with it early. Although we said the same thing last year, so, you know, maybe I should caution myself against saying uh, that City's going to run away with it, but I mean, the way City has looked early. Even with Aguero getting injured early on with the car accident, uh, Aguero should be back in about another week or two. Uh, I, I just think uh, they're going to run over Stoke uh, uh, playing at uh, at home in the Etihad Stadium. So, uh, you know, maybe Stoke slows them up a little bit and tries to tie up the game so they don't get bull rush. But, I mean, the thing about City is that if they get even a little bit of an opening... They just steamroll you. So uh, I, I think City wins this one comfortably. I'll put it as like a maybe a 3-1 score, but I, I don't see Stoke really having much of an answer uh, for City's attack. Chelsea against uh, Crystal Palace. Chelsea's on the road uh, going to Crystal Palace in, in Selhurst Park in London. I mean, Crystal Palace is unquestionably the worst team in the premiership right now. Uh, haven't scored in the first seven games over 600 minutes without a goal. I mean, they don't have anything nice to say about Crystal Palace. Chelsea, even with their injuries, because they lost uh, their striker, uh, Alvaro Morata, for a few games, and their defensive midfielder uh, N'Golo Conte got injured in uh, Olympic qualifying uh, the other day with hamstring injury. Uh, they think he's going to be out for a few weeks. Uh, I know Chelsea supporters have been ripping on Conte, saying he's not that good. I just don't think that they realize how important he is to that squad. I actually think Chelsea could be in trouble uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I wouldn't put it... Uh, I, I wouldn't say that they're in trouble today. I just, like I said, Crystal Palace is the worst team in the league. So if Chelsea has any troubles uh, with Palace, 
I would be a bit worried about uh, Chelsea coming up because I know their schedule uh, features a matchup with uh, Manchester United uh, at home in a couple of weeks. And they also have Liverpool coming up, uh, uh, I believe, if around Thanksgiving time. So, it, it you know, they got some matchups in, in the next uh, month or so that uh, could be a little bit tricky for them to navigate. They should be okay uh, today. I mean, like I said, Palace has not scored for seven games. Uh, Chelsea still has one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, Chelsea should win this like 2-0. And uh, even on the road, I, I don't expect them to have trouble. Uh, next up, Bur- Burnley, West Ham, you know, <sighs> Burnley's at home, West Ham is a mid-table club right now, I, I just think this is going to be a boring game, I, I mean, I'll say this probably ends up, this is probably one of those games that ends up either like a nil-nil draw or one-one draw, uh, I, I don't see a lot of scoring come out of it, I mean, it is what it is, uh, but, you know. Uh, the feature matchup this afternoon is my team, Arsenal, going on the road to Watford. And for all the goodness fans, you know, this is one of those matchups where you're, you're just hoping against hope that the team's ready and prepared to play, which, you know, should not be something that you uh, would be saying about an actual professional club i mean it's kind of ridiculous that you would even say that about a professional team that they're ready to play uh and that's a legitimate question week to week but you know such is the case of arsenal where you have personnel decisions made by the manager motivated not by putting out the best team but making a point to his players uh there's quite a bit of internal dynamics going on with arsenal right now uh given uh, the alexis sanchez and mesut ozil who's cleared to play, should feature in the squad. Sancho should feature in the squad. There's no guarantee they'll feature in the squad. Uh, you hope against hope that they'll feature in the squad, but nothing's really been shown. Uh, Lacazette and Giroud should be playing together, but they're not. You know, I hope Arsenal wins. They should win this. Do I think they're going to win? No, I think they'll figure out a way to drop, uh, well, I shouldn't say drop points. You you don't guarantee points on the road, but, you, you know, you, this is one where you should win comfortably 2-3-1 uh, and just run over Watford with uh, better uh, possession of the ball uh, and using your ball control to exert your will on them. Uh, you know, oftentimes Arsenal just doesn't have that killer instinct, so... I think they'll uh, they'll get get up early on Watford and let the game go away and then end up uh, having to either draw or worst case scenario obviously is to lose the game. But you know I just think it's going to be due to Arsenal screwing this up rather than Watford actually doing anything uh, remotely that intimidates me. Uh, you know as good as Marco Silva is as Watford's coach, you know if you look at the squads. The, there's no one on uh, Watford squads outside of Richarlison that should even remotely intimidate Arsenal. But like I said, Arsenal finds ways of blowing games. So uh, something to look out for uh, coming up. And so that's what I've got for Premier League. 
Uh, I'll get into the Yankees game last night and what's going on with game two. Uh, you know, last night, you got a great start out of Masahiro Tanaka. And, you know, once again, Dallas Keuchel has the, uh, the Yankees number. It's, you know, it's not a good sign for the Yankees that they can't figure out Keuchel, who's not a strikeout pitcher, but, you know, they can't get good contact on the guy. They can't, they're not getting good looks at uh, uh, his arsenal pitches. And, you know, we're not having very good at-bats against Keuchel, and that's that's still a bad side. So now it comes down to uh, getting a result against uh, uh, Justin Verlander today, which, uh, you know, is not an easy order because uh, Verlander has been rejuvenated by uh, the fact that, uh, you know, he got trade off the Tigers, and he's 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 throwing he's throwing a uh, ball wall. I mean, he's got the he still has the velocity, and he's uh, using his control. The issue that I see with this is that you know we got Luis Severino uh, pitching today, which I agree with because I think Sonny Gray would have gotten overwhelmed here, and I don't trust Sonny Gray in this series. It, it's it's not really the best matchup for him, but be that as it may, uh, Severino gets uh, gets the call today for game two. You know, you got a plus uh, fastball, 98 miles an hour. You know, Severino's got to use uh, that fastball. Keep the ball down, uh, pinpoint his pitches, just keep, try to keep uh, Houston off balance because, you know, 98 is 98. It, you know, if you can, if you can use adequate uh, uh, pitch selection and actually hit your corners, that should be enough to keep those hitters off balance. Uh, Tanaka didn't have great stuff last night, uh, in my opinion. I, I thought he just, uh, I thought he used uh, better control uh, than anything else uh, with uh, what he uh, with what he had. But uh, you know, in terms of uh, the overall dynamic last night, you know, it came down to a couple of plays. I mean, honestly, Bird uh, getting gunned down at home uh, by, um, uh, uh, I'm blanking on this, uh, the Astros outfielder's name. It'll it'll come to me. But, I mean, on the play itself, uh, I think it was Marlon Gonzalez, actually. But uh, on the play itself, uh, Bird, you know, didn't have a great lead at second. You know, it's a hard hit ball with two outs by Judge. It's it's a good throw. I, I mean, a good throw is going to beat the runner there. If it's slightly offline, it's a good decision. I mean, I can't fault the Yankees for sending the runner there because, to be honest, you need to take advantage of any opportunity you get. So, uh, you know, the way I look at it is that, you know, sending the runner uh was uh the right call there it just didn't work out and you know that's something you can live with uh uh the issue that i think and i touched upon this before that the yankees have in this series is the fact that i look at houston's lineup and i just think it's too deep it's it's a very deep lineup they have yeah yeah it was marlon gonzalez but um it's a very deep lineup Alex Bregman is not even a feature piece yet. He's the young and the upcoming star. He hasn't even hit his full potential yet, and he's still one of the most dangerous hitters in the, hitters in the lineup. You know, I, I just look up and down this lineup, and it's 
it's tough. Uh, it's a tough ask for the Yankees pitchers to pitch any better than Tanaka did yesterday and to not get a win out of it. That's distressing because to me, if the Yankees are serious about winning the series, you're, you've got to be averaging seven runs in this series. And, you know, last night they got one. I mean, that's just not going to cut it. You, you got to hit better than that. You got to figure out a way of touching up these pitchers. Uh, Bird got to Giles late. You know, I, I called it uh, similar to Rocky Four, where Rocky cuts Drago because, you know, right now we're making the Astros uh, pitchers look like a million bucks. And, you know, at the end of the day, you you got to start touching them up a bit. So uh, the Red Sox learned that lesson fast, and the Yankees got that same lesson last night. Got to get to uh, Houston early, touch up the starters, get into the bullpen. That's all there is to it. Uh, as far as Verlander goes today, like I said, it's uh, it's a tough ask, but now you got to do it. So I'm going to take a quick break here because the uh, soccer game is about to start up, and then I'll uh, once I get another uh, opportunity to talk, I'll uh, get into uh, some uh, baseball as well for the Dodgers. Uh, Dodgers Cub series. All right, so uh, got a little break in the action. Still scoreless with uh, Manchester United and Liverpool. So, gonna dive back into the baseball here with uh, the Dodgers and Cubs. Uh, one story that's uh, still ongoing, but uh, uh, you know, not, nothing's been official yet. Was uh, the injury status to Corey Seager. I'm expecting that he's still going to be playing in this series, even if he sits out game one. I mean, that's a big bat, so Dodgers will figure out a way to keep him in there. Uh, game one starter uh, should be, uh, I, I, I mean, they haven't announced it yet, but uh, I'm expecting it to be Quintana. I mean, the, op, the, the other option would be John Lackey, and, you know, to me, if you start Lackey, Game one, you're essentially trying to punt on game one with Kershaw. And to me, I think game one's winnable. I, I mean, Kershaw still has not given me any indication that he's over uh, these quirks that he has in the postseason where he gets lit up. And especially this year where he had the back issue in the second half of the year, I'm 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 going for game one. I want I want to put my best pitcher out there. That's available to pitch to take to take it. So uh, I'm I'm siding with starting Quintana. Uh, you know, you traded for him for this reason to have ammunition in the second half and in the playoffs. So to me, Quintana's the play. You go hard after Kershaw and you try to force a split early by taking Game One. Uh, so uh, you know, on the Dodgers side, obviously they're starting Kershaw, and then I'm expecting the next. A uh, couple of uh, matchups to feature any combination of you uh, Darvish, Rich Hill, Alex Wood. Uh, I mean, they're all going to be starting at some point. Uh, I'm, I would think that uh, you give the ball to Darvish game two, and then you use Rich Hill game three. My, you know, and I talk about it a lot. Like, jeez, uh, I don't remember. Maybe it was last Saturday. Uh, but, uh, you know, my issue with Rich Hill is the fact that he's a slow starter regardless of wherever you pitch him. So, you can pitch him at home, he's still going to start out slow. You pitch him on the road, still going to start out slow. 
So you might as well use them in the road start because to me, using Rich Hill in the home start kind of defeats the purpose because what's the point of having a starter that's going to give up early runs to take the crowd out of the game? It, you know, I just think it's counterproductive. So my, uh, my uh, strategy would be you start Darvish game two and then you have uh, either Rich Hill or Wood start game three and then you, you have another pitcher for game four. Before you rotate back to Kershaw with full rest, given the back situation. So, that's why I kind of look at it. Uh, in terms of the lineups, I give a slight edge to the Cubs. But, you know, it's of offensively, I, I think the Dodgers are right there. So, you know, uh, Dodgers have the edge in pitching and bullpen. So, this series really kind of comes down to can the the Cubs find a way of whether you want to call it moxie or grit or championship know-how, pedigree. They have to figure out ways of putting the Dodgers in uncomfortable spots to force them to uh, make uh, errors. Because if they allow the Dodgers to do what they want to do and just kind of dictate the pace of the play, they're going to end up like the Diamondbacks where they're going to be out in a very short series. So uh, my my thing for the Cubs is, you know, whether it's uh, uh, pushing the issue on the base pass, uh, you got to do a little bit something extra to get the Dodgers in an uncomfortable position. But uh, in terms of both these series, you know, I felt it the same way kind of going into the playoffs and going out. Yankee fans will be happy with me. And say I'm not supporting the Yankees fully. Hey, believe me, I, I want the Yankees to go to World Series as much as the next guy, but I still think this uh, World Series ends up being Dodgers Astros. That uh, you know, lineup wise, it, it makes the most compelling story outside of uh, of a LA New York uh, matchup, which again would be awesome uh, from a marketing standpoint because you have the two biggest media capitals in the world. And you can have fun with the story. I just don't think uh, Yankees uh, have it this year in terms of the pitching, uh, starting pitching quality to uh, get past the Astros. I, I think the Astros uh, get into the bullpen and start wearing it down uh, with the superior lineup. Uh, you know, Jose Altuve does not get the press coverage that uh, he deserves. I mean, he's pretty much a beast. So, you know, um, that's on the AL side. NL side, you know, as I said, the Dodgers have the edge in most categories of the Cubs. The Cubs can get through by putting pressure on the Dodgers and getting them in uncomfortable positions. And, you know, to me, the biggest X factor in the series is, is Kershaw capable of putting together two good starts. Kershaw puts together two good starts for the Dodgers. The series is a wrap. If Kershaw drops games badly and puts the onus on some of the other starters on the Dodgers who uh, come through in this series, you know, the Cubs got themselves a, sh- a fighting shot in this one. I-, I just think that, you know, sooner or later, you, you got to deliver, you know. And it- it- that's the story of what happens in the Nationals. They... They had their opportunity to deliver it, didn't get it done, and now the Dodgers got their shot in a longer series, which, again, uh, favors the deeper team, which I believe is 
the Dodgers. So uh, we'll see how it pans out. But I, I think this ends up being a Dodgers-Astros World Series. Uh, Astros I have going through in five. Uh, Dodgers in six. We'll, we'll see if uh, the Yankees and uh, Cubs can uh, make me look bad. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll have to see how it pans out. So, uh, uh, in terms of the Liverpool-Manchester United game, still scoreless, surprisingly, but uh, we'll keep moving forward uh, in the meantime because uh, quite a bit to talk about with college football. So, last night, and this is a kind of bizarre scheduling because I don't see how this happens, but uh, the defending national champion, Clemson, goes to Syracuse up uh, up in the upstate New York of course and you know just has a bad game I mean they lost their starting quarterback yes that that's uh, Kelly Bryant got hurt with concussion was knocked out of the game but overall Clemson was bad in this loss I mean Syracuse was leading throughout this game I, I kept kind of sort of looking at it uh, at the bar but you know I didn't really get get a good view of this game because I was kind of focused on the Yankees game. But, you know, my thing is, you know, you have these kind of games in college uh, football. And I always say it's part of the nature of being amateur athletes and college students because I kind of look at this game as the Clemson lost to Pittsburgh last year. They kind of came in, took it for granted. Out there in a roll and got punched in the mouth and couldn't quite turn back on the switch to put the other team down and got beat. Similar situation here. Syracuse played extremely well. They were efficient from uh, what I was able to see of the games. Uh, didn't really have the turnovers Clemson did. And, uh, you know, Syracuse, all credit to them. They get a huge win. And as the actual true team of the Northeast for college football. And yes, Rutgers, that includes you trying to purport yourself as the true team of the Northeast. It's kind of embarrassing. Uh, you know, it's actually a nice story to tell because Syracuse has been pretty much, uh, I, I don't want to say a doormat, but you know, it's just been an afterthought, uh, for a number of years now uh, with the program ever since Donovan McNabb graduated. And, you know, we're talking a good, <laughs> we're talking a good uh, uh, 20 years now. It, it's it's kind of crazy uh, uh, how long it's been. Uh, but uh, it's, it's one of those situations where I, I think uh, you kind of look at it and say, uh, uh, you know, between uh, the Northeast, it it just doesn't get a lot of attention in terms of college football, just because you got a ton of sports teams, and you know, guys in college don't want to play in the Northeast. It, just, there's no real compelling reason to play football in the Northeast. You know, you want to go to the South where it it's warmer and uh, the chicks are, are are out there too. I mean. I, I can't blame uh, football players uh, for wanting to go play in warmer climates. Uh, I mean, that's where you get Texas and Florida involved in uh, going out west. It's 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 a no-brainer, really. But, uh, you know, 
It's a good win for Syracuse. Does it mean that they're going to rise above to anything else dramatically this year? Nah, they've been kind of uh, middle of the road uh, uh, in the AC, uh, ACC. But, you know, it, at least it's a, a fun story to tell. On the Clemson side, does that mean that they're completely out of it from a college football playoff perspective? Not necessarily. Uh, more often than not, in college football, it's not if you lose, but when you lose. So... Uh, you know, they got the loss. They have a couple of games down the stretch to uh, kind of build back up their reputation in the eyes of the committee. So if they win with style points, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a, it's pretty apparent that uh, uh, from a, a standpoint of uh, Clemson has a great defense still. Uh, we'll see what the Brian injury does to them, but... Uh, they should still be in the mix. On the other hand, there was another huge upset with a top 10 team involving Washington State. Now, the Cougars have not been in the top 10, I want to say, in about 20 years. Uh, I, I, I got to check uh, uh, what the uh, live sports bureau had them as. But, I, I mean, it's been years since uh, Washington State uh, was ranked this high. I want to say... Uh, this goes back to, uh, I mean, really, really, I don't think they've been ranked that high since the Ryan Leaf days. And I mean, uh, you know, that's like, that's gotta be 20 years ago, uh, uh, to be honest. So, uh, uh, but you know, what happened to Washington state last night? I mean, their, their own coach just, uh, uh just said it. I, I mean, uh. Mike Leach said that they were a bunch of uh, pre uh, pretenders thinking that they had done it all and uh, got their asses kicked. <laughs> Long story short, I mean, there was literally one sequence where they showed a punt that was one yard. It made dead spin uh, because of how <laughs> pathetic it was. So if you want to see the punt, uh, check it out. But, uh, I mean, they had multiple turnovers or at least five turnovers that I counted. Uh, their quarterback was picked off multiple times. I mean... Washington State was about as bad as you can be. Uh, I mean, and they're on the road against Cal, uh, which is unranked. But, I mean, you give up that many turnovers in short field position to a uh, conference rival, you're going to get your ass kicked. And, you know, that's what happened. I, I mean, there is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, Washington State's pretty much done in terms of the college football uh, playoff picture. And the reason being is the, is the fact that uh, you know, they had a chance to uh, kind of put themselves on the map. Uh, the Pac-12 uh, isn't nearly as respected as the ACC. Uh, part of it, I do think, comes from the lack of media coverage because the games are on so late. But, you know, at the end of the day, you can't lose by over 20 points to an unranked team. I mean, that's just like a death spell. If you're going to lose, you lose close and you have some explanations. I mean, Clemson was a close loss, and they lost the starting quarterback. You can make excuses. When you get utterly dominated the way Washington State did, I mean, there's there's nothing nothing to fall back on. It's like you're you're not going to be considered one of the best teams in the country with a loss that bad. So that's what happened with college football last night. Uh, games that are coming up today. Uh, you got which. Uh, uh, I said wish kid. Uh, I'm 
I'm look I'm looking at uh, Michigan and I'm seeing Wisconsin, so I just combined the two there. But uh, you got uh, Michigan uh, rebounding from the loss to Michigan State. Uh, Michigan's offense is not good. It's it's remained not good. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and then, you know, at the end of the day, Jim Harbaugh is gonna face a lot of tough questions this year if he can't beat Ohio State. Uh, he should. Be, I mean, if he doesn't beat at Indiana, he's he's in a lot of trouble. But uh, I mean, at the end of the day, Michigan's offense is not good enough to be in any sort of position to win its uh, title. And until Harbaugh can fix that offense, they're not going to go to a college football playoff anytime soon. It's not happening this year. And I don't see it happening in the near future because it's year four and we're still having the exact same questions about this offense that we did from year one. And so that's not a good sign, especially when you brought in your own player. So uh, a lot of tough questions are going to be asked of Harbaugh. Uh, later on today, you've got the Red River Wire. Uh, and of course, I botched it. Red River Rivalry. Between uh, Texas and Oklahoma, Texas is terrible. Uh, I mean, you know, Texas will show up for some games, completely tune out for other games. This one game that Texas uh, is going to win, it'll be this one. Uh, but Oklahoma just lost to uh, Iowa State last week. I think they're going to be looking to put a big number on Texas because they got caught uh, looking ahead last week. Uh, so I, I would think that, uh, Oklahoma puts a big number on Texas. Like I said, Texas is not a good football team right now. Uh, and you know, maybe, maybe it stays competitive, but I, I don't see it happening. Uh, a couple other matchups, uh, that would be coming along. Uh, you've got, uh, Ohio state, Nebraska in prime time, uh, Nebraska's in free fall mode, uh, but Ohio State hasn't been playing well. So we'll see if Nebraska can summon up something to try to salvage what's left of their season by pulling off an upset, but uh, I don't see it happening. In terms of top teams going against each other, you don't really have uh, that much today. Uh to be honest, it's uh, it's just one of those where you have a couple of matchups uh, of interesting teams. So you got USC, Utah uh, in primetime. I believe that's the ABC matchup uh, tonight. You know, USC is a good team. Utah is a good team. Uh, that is the most competitive matchup uh, they could have uh, put on in primetime today. Uh, I just think uh, U- U- uh, USC is a deeper team. Uh, Sam Darno needs to impress Heisman voters, so I, I expect him to put up a, a good performance and uh, USC gets the W. So uh, that's it from the college football front. Uh, going to get to the NFL a bit later because uh, 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 these games are going on. But, uh, yeah, in terms of uh, the dynamics of uh, the uh, sports today, you know, you got the baseball, you got college football on tap. So 
Uh, should be interesting. Rangers lost again last night. Uh, so I got to get into hockey a bit later uh, as well. But, uh, you know, so much sports, so little time. So uh, that's all for now. Uh, have a good day, everyone. talked about position in all of sports the quarterback and now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field celebrity qb featuring four-time super bowl champion coach charlie weiss unlike other football shows you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks like is this the year tom brady finally looks his age will dating danica patrick distract aaron Rodgers? i mean he's dating danica patrick charlie we're interested in that you know well i mean tommy's got giselle i'll, <laughs> I'll take giselle okay is dak prescott good enough to win a super bowl for the cowboys which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018 how about intellectually charlie as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now the game has changed but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous Join Charlie Wise and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.